ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Do you like Christmas music or not I so hate much? it. Oh. I hate it so much, Tegan. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what your favourite Christmas song is, but maybe I should ask you what your most detested Christmas song is. Oh, that's a really good point. Um, look, you're going to hate me for it, but it, it's Mariah. I can't do it. It's too played out. The whistle notes, I just can't do it. It's you know, just everywhere. I remember when that album came out and just thinking it was like the greatest thing of all time, but that was 20, 30 years ago now. And like, <laughs> I feel like it's had a play. It's it's had a go. Uh, I think of Mariah just on her bed of money and just every <laughs> December, she's like, it's happening again. <laughs> you know, the countdown to the end of the year has well and truly started when you can shamelessly blast your Christmas playlist. I know all the words to all the songs. I sing them every year. But oh, by gosh, by golly, I had never given much thought to where these songs came from. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Quick Smart, the show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So who are the artists responsible for writing some of our most catchy, festive tracks? How have these songs worked their way into pop culture? And... Isn't it about time we had some tracks about Australian Christmas? Someone who is definitely not walking in a winter wonderland is Anna Levy. Hello, Anna. Hi. So we all know, as the prophecy foretold, that Mariah Carey wrote, All I Want for Christmas (laughs) is You. But you've been digging into the stories behind some of the other older Christmas carols and have discovered a surprising theme. I have. And it's been a theme that has so delighted me. I can't even tell you. I'm usually such a Grinch. And in the shops, I'm really hating all these old Christmas songs. But in this story that I'm writing for ABC Online, I've discovered that all of these songs have something really interesting in common. And that's that they were written predominantly by Jewish composers, which is super interesting. And very counterintuitive. You'd think so, right? Um, So the history of this is really interesting. I started digging back into it and it goes back to like many intersecting stories, but largely at the beginning of the 20th century, a lot of migration to the US and the birth of Hollywood. And that's why you get this really interesting intersection. So before we get into the backstory, which I very much want to know, like talk me through the set list here. Like what songs are we talking about? We're talking about basically every song you can think of from the first half of the 20th century that's Christmassy themed. Not so much biblical, but anything about Christmas spirit, Christmas joy, winter wonderland. So we're talking Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We're talking Holly Jolly Christmas, Rockin' Round the Christmas Tree, Winter Wonderland, all the classics that I usually hate. Uh, (laughs) This, as a Jewish person, has made me feel much closer and much less Grinch-like. Okay, so basically any secular Christmas song that I can think of that isn't a Mariah Carey song. (laughs) Basically, as far as I'm aware, Mariah Carey is not Jewish. If it was crooned, it's a, it's a Jewish Christmas song. Basically. Tell me about your relationship with Christmas as a Jewish woman in Australia, though. It's a really complicated one, right? Because there's so much joy around um, in December. There's so much joy and love for Christmas. But as a Jewish person, I've always felt a little bit excluded from that, a bit alienated. And when I first met my husband and I started to do Christmas at their place, which was quite traditional, I was like putting on the paper hat and pulling the crackers and thinking, this is so weird. I don't know what I'm doing. Am I eating this right? Am I singing this song right? Um, So it took me years of kind of getting used to that. And still sometimes it's a little bit jarring because it's not really my heritage. It's not my culture. And that's kind of like what's behind these Christmas songs perversely is a group of people who were sort of on the outer who were making a space for themselves. 
Absolutely. And I think that's why it resonates so much with me and maybe with other Jewish people as well, is that when you move to a place and you have to assimilate, and particularly when you're a group of people who's marginalized, who's been persecuted, you have to do a level of fitting in for your own survival and your own safety. And so what happened in the US around the time when all these songs were written is that Jewish people who were working in factories, they suddenly saw this new industry open up, which would become Hollywood. And what it allowed them to do was to start creating these cultural artifacts that were all about Christmas. They were fitting in, but they were also managing to make a mark on the society they were in too. Why was Hollywood an industry where a lot of Jewish people ended up? It's a really interesting one because right now, of course, everyone wants to be in Hollywood, yeah. right? You get on the plane, you step out at LA and you're like, here I am, I'm world. In a, I'm in a Miley Cyrus song right exactly, now. Exactly, exactly. But back in the earliest days of Hollywood, it was actually a really undesirable industry to be in. It was really risky. It was really expensive. It was the beginning of this kind of mass media world. And a lot of this stuff wasn't established. So for Jewish migrants who were used to working in factories in really poor conditions for really poor pay, this was an opportunity and an opportunity also to kind of make a cultural mark as well. Like they could have chosen anything. (laughs) Like they could have just written other songs. Why Christmas songs? Well, an expert that I spoke to for this story says it has a lot to do with that sense of belonging. So when you arrive in a place, you're trying to blend in to feel safe, really, um, and to feel like you won't be persecuted for your religion or your ethnicity or cultural background. And the way that this expert I spoke to put it was so perfect. He said, you know, how better to prove your Americanness than by writing Christmas songs? (laughs) So this is sort of something that happened like the first half of the 20th century. What are some of the big names we're talking here? I mean, Irving Villain is the big one. So White Christmas, that really classic Christmas song that you think of, but also the Gershwin brothers. They were originally, they originally had Jewish names that they changed to assimilate. And once you start looking into these composers' names, so many of them actually were different once they settled in the US. I think what's so interesting as a Jewish person doing this research is that you go from feeling really alienated from this holiday and this cultural tradition you're not part of to feeling really close to it in a really interesting way. Because suddenly I'm thinking, you know, my ancestors and the people in my extended family helped create this cultural phenomenon, which is actually really special. I do want to talk about Hanukkah because as a non-Jewish Australian person, consuming like a lot of American TV as a kid, it was this sort of thing that would come up in like, there'd be like the Christmas episode of whatever show it was. And they'd sort of like kind of throw in, and Hanukkah. (laughs) The classic. Yeah. And I just sort of assumed it was like Jewish Christmas, but it's really not. It's not Jewish Christmas, but it is quite close in secular culture. So the original story of Hanukkah goes back to the second century. And it's all about rebellion, about the Jews banding together to rebel against an oppressive Greek regime. And it celebrates the miracle of the oil that burned for eight nights when they only had enough to burn for one. So that's the kind of biblical meaning of Hanukkah. But there's also lots of traditions that have come through the years um, that we still celebrate. So things like playing the dreidel, which is like a spinning top that kids play with, eating chocolate coins and eating, this is the best bit, eating fried food because you're celebrating oil. So you're eating donuts, you're eating, (laughs) Tegan's just gasping in delight. Um, I've never made that connection before. It's so good. So if you ask, if you ask anyone, if you ask my husband, his favourite Jewish holiday, he's like, oh, the one with the oil. The one (laughs) with the latkes. It's delicious. So it's a really um, fantastic celebration of survival. But it's also, interestingly, a fairly minor holiday in the scheme of Jewish traditions, actually. I think what's interesting about that is Christmas isn't really Christian either. Like the way Christmas is celebrated 
in a Western country like Australia, it's very, very secular. Yeah, absolutely. And Hanukkah has kind of joined Christmas in that to some extent. So some of the TV that you mentioned, increasingly through the second half of the 20th century, you saw Jewish people and creators and creatives in Hollywood start to become a bit more comfortable bringing their own culture. So they're not just writing Christmas songs anymore, they're also bringing Hanukkah into the mix because the two are similar in that they're both in December, right? So you start to have the Christmas episode that then features Hanukkah or you get the the holiday armadillo, the famous one. Oh, from Friends. Friends, when Ross wants to teach his kid about being Jewish and the only costume available is the armadillo, which is really a seminal part of my childhood, I have to say. <laughs> this is obviously a discovery that means a lot to you personally and it's really interesting because these songs at the moment are absolutely inescapable. Um, walk into any shopping centre and like white Christmas is blaring from like five different places. But what does it teach us about society kind of more broadly. I think what's so special about this story, particularly for me, but I think for everyone, is that at a time where we're looking at so much division, it's really special to see these two holidays intertwined in a really profound way and to see the story of survival and assimilation, but also a story that was about welcoming another culture, celebrating another culture, and seeing December as this really special, wonderful celebratory time that is kind of special to everyone for slightly different reasons. I think that's what really hits me as, you know, someone who previously has felt kind of alienated at this time of year, to think about that history and think, oh, actually, this is for me as well. That's really special. I also just think we need some secular Christmas songs that are about like mangoes and pav. <laughs> Absolutely. And not just about snow. I mean, the, the opportunity is there, Tegan. You can, you can give it a go. <laughs> this could be the change that I make. <laughs> and I thank you so much. My pleasure. QuickSmart is made on the lands of the Jagera and Turrbal and Gadigal people. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.